Hour number two of the Bruce Hooley Show kicks off right now. And uh, before we go to the phone lines, I want to thank Alpha Beta Report, alphabetareport.com. If you're looking for a lucrative side hustle, get over to alphabetareport.com. You're going to learn about trading, markets, crypto, and you can use that education to turn a small sum of money into a towering asset. Whitney and I are excited uh, to be enrolled in this course and uh, what it's going to mean for us. And I encourage you to check them out, alphabetareport.com. When you get there, you're going to see my pretty picture. <laughs> and uh, there's going to be a green icon you can click on. Click on it, type in Windsor, W-I-N-D-S-O-R, and the guys at Alpha Beta Report will give you um, the discount on the education. Surprisingly, they're not going to charge you more for being affiliated with me. That's a bad dad joke. Those are the only kind of jokes I have now. Uh, speaking of being a dad, what happens in education matters. And uh, Erica Sanzi knows that probably better than anybody. She's director of outreach at Parents Defending Education. She's a former educator and elected school board member, currently serves on the board of advisors for the Boys Institute, and she's the mother of three teenage boys. Uh, Erica, welcome to the Bruce Woolley Show. How are you this afternoon? Hi, uh, I'm great, and thanks for having me. Absolutely, and Please pardon me. Am I pronouncing it correctly? Is it Sanzi or Sanzi? Well, you are pronouncing it correctly because um, the name has been butchered over the generations. So it was originally a last name from Italy, and it was Sanzio. And then the O fell off at some point, and then it was Americanized, and now it's Sanzi. So you're saying it perfectly. And now it's Sanzi. Is that correct? It is. Yep. Okay. Sanzi. Got it. Okay. Um, before you came on, Erica... I read Columbus City Schools policy, transgender, gender variant students, and uh, 5517.02, a little bit concerning to me. The school indicates that in situations where the parent or guardian is opposed to any name or pronoun usage changes, school staff will continue to work with families and students in an effort to arrive at a mutually agreeable solution. Um, but before we get into talking Turkey about mutually agreeable solutions, um, I, I want to start with what the staff is required to do and uh, how you came into uh, this information, which this story broke on um, the was it the national desk yesterday. Um, and the title is exclusive Ohio school district requires staff to use names and pronouns. So uh, tell us what you uncovered, Erica. Um, so I don't remember how or why we got tipped off to this district, but I do know that we decided to submit a public records request to the Columbus City Schools to see what their policies were around um, transgender students. And, and we've been doing this a lot because we've been tracking policies all over the country, be- largely because so many people out there doubt that the policies in place now in most school districts are what they are. So when you tell, you know, when I'm on the sidelines of one of my kids' games or out in the community and you tell them about the policy to withhold information from parents about name changes and social transition and, you know, what restrooms and locker rooms kids are using, they just think it sounds so crazy. It can't be true. So we decided that the best way to, you know, bring awareness to the public was to just get our hands on the policies, put the policies out there to the public and then track them. Um, now, the bar is very low when I say this. So Columbus City Schools' is, policy is not nearly as bad as many other districts 
in the sense that they at, the, at least do say that they want parents and guardians to be kept informed. Many districts don't even say that, and they just flat out talk about how it's the, the student can, you know, be called whatever they want, use whatever facilities they want, and that the parents have no right to be notified. This, you can tell that they're kind of throwing a bone to the parents. But the problem with this policy, though, is that it also is clearly saying, if you're not on board, we're going to keep, like, pushing and badgering and and working on this until you are on board. Mm-hmm. And that does seem to be a problem, because when you socially transition a minor, a student, that is a psychosocial intervention. And in this, and these schools always write these down. So when a student is going to be called certain thing, used for facilities, et cetera, you know, there's always a written document. Yep. Once the parent says, no, that's not happening, that really should be the end of the conversation. And you can tell here with this that they've decided that they're going to keep on, you know, meddling with this and with the families until they come around. Yep. So I do think I do think that that is a problem with this policy. But I, 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 would, I would say the fact that they mentioned parents at all is kind of a plus considering how terrible the policies are nationally. Yes. And I'm going to point our listeners back to an article that I wrote in October of 2022. And the headline is, are Ohio schools being transparent with parents and taxpayers on transgender policies? And to your point, Erica, we uncovered in some of Ohio's largest school districts um, that they were being um, just – flat out deceptive uh, to parents and taxpayers. So if you go to the ohiopressnetwork.com, you can type in that title. Um, But Erica, you're right. If I'm a parent and I say, look, this is it. This is I'm putting the moratorium down. We're not doing this. That should be the end of the story. But the district in its own language, in its own policy says, well, we're going to try to reach a mutually agreeable solution, but mutually agreeable. What does that mean to you? I mean, to me, alarm bells go off when I read that. What, what do you interpret that to mean? Um, so, again, if I was new to this, then I might think that that sounds fine. But I'm not new to this, and I know that what that really does mean is essentially we will keep supporting the student in their gender transition until you, the parent, come around. This is really sort of like a, we're going to re-educate you. By, you know, we're going to keep working with you by re-educating you. And you're going to have to come to see this the way that we see it. And we want to socially transition your child and either get on board or don't. But that's what's going to happen. So um, one thing that these policies are very good at is making really bad things sound either good or benign. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, And that's really pretty much never the case. And again, like I say this as somebody who was working in school starting in 1998 um, I, I worked in schools for five years, and then I had my first son and stayed home for a bunch of years, and then I went back into the classroom in 2010. I was there till 2015. So I pretty recent experience working in schools. And the idea that I would be told that a, a condition of my employment was the deception of parents would have been unfathomable to me. Yeah, yeah. So when I see this language... It's like I'm aware not only of how new all of this is, right? It's come in like a like a freight train, largely because it's a very top-down thing. So the state, you know, the federal government passes some sort of guidance saying you have to do these, have these policies. 
The state hears that as if we don't do this, they're going to pull our funding. The state puts out guidance. The school districts hear that and say, well, they say it's guidance, but we have to do it or they're going to pull our funding. And next thing you know, you know, the National School Boards Association and the State School Boards Association start sending out these sample policies and templates to all these districts, which they copy and paste and they adopt. And suddenly now you have the majority of school districts in the country saying that they're going to deliberately deceive parents and saying that the only person whose feelings matter, whose opinion matters, whose comfort matters is the transgender or gender variant student and nobody else's opinions and nobody else's feelings and nobody else's sort of moral compass or or ethics, you know, none of that matters because suddenly we've put children in charge on this one particular issue. And this goes into dress code, use of facilities, Correct. overnight accommodations. If the student wants to, if a student's a boy mm-hmm. and wants to sleep with the girls, the student can do that. Um, yep. And it is a top-down approach. We've talked about how um, the medical industrial complex uh, drug manufacturers are really behind this financially. And they're nef- I call them the nefarious forces, but they're useful idiots who don't understand how far-reaching and dangerous this is. Now, we've only got about 30 seconds. Um, What is a call to action here, Erica? Our listeners are hearing this and going, wait a minute, what do they need to do? So what I always say to people is that, like, the, the head in the sand, that can't be true. You must be exaggerating. Like, people have got to accept, and I know it's hard, that this is what's happening They should be asking their school districts to see the policy on this. And then and they also need to realize that even if they feel like they're the only person out there that has a problem with this, I can promise them that they're not. We know that the vast majority of parents and vast majority members of the public and staff. I mean, one of the things people need to know is a lot of staff, they are relying on parents to fight this because they, too, are very upset being told that they're expected to keep secrets from parents as part of their, you know, conditions for their employment. Yep. And just spread awareness, spread awareness, spread awareness, and make the district be transparent about what their policy is. Erica Sanzi, Director of Outreach. And, uh, hey, you'll be back on the show. Thanks for spending time with us today. Hey, just a reminder, if uh, you're newly engaged and you're getting married in 2024, 2025, you need to get over to the legacy on and uh, check out Ohio's premier wedding venue. That's the legacy on Your legacy begins here. Stage right theatrics. We're going to talk about that and a festival that's upcoming um, with our next guest, Robert Cooperman. Mr. Cooperman, welcome back to the show. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great, Jack. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. So uh, tell us what's been going on at Stage Right Theatrics and what our listeners need to be aware of that's upcoming. Well, upcoming uh, February 2nd through the 4th at the Abbey Theater of Dublin is our annual theater festival. And this is our eighth annual festival. And uh, we are featuring four short plays. Uh, that conform to our uh, beliefs, which is that we need to see more conservative, traditional, 
pieces in the arts, and that's what we produce at Stage Right Theatrics. So we'll have four short plays, and then we'll have two short films, kind of parody films, that uh, were made by yours truly. And then uh, we're going to have a talk back with the audience, which we always do every year. So we're really excited. And then we have a special promotion going on with the Dublin Food Pantry. So I'm short. My wife will even say that she's like you're you look shorter the older you get and i like to talk back so could i be in the short play and do the talk? okay that's a dad it's joke that's sure as funny you, as i get robert that's it that way it's hilarious uh you know if we weren't on the air right now i'd be i'd be you know beside myself <laughs> would you be bipolar I think that would be it. <laughs> oh, okay 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 <laughs> i'm done i'm done so eighth annual festival first of all how can our listeners uh, check that out and uh, book tickets? Uh, very easily. You just go to my website, which is stagert.org. Stagert.org. You'll see a button there that says buy tickets to the festival, and you can read all about the festival and buy some tickets there. But we also are having a promotion with the Dublin Food Pantry, and that is if you bring a food item for the Dublin Food Pantry, you will get half-price tickets. And if you're interested in that, you can give us a call at 614-233-1901 for more information. Excellent. So that's stagert.org, and I'm, I'm looking at that now. Let me ask you a question. Um, I've been doing a lot of talking and reporting on where we are in this world in, in 2024. And... Um, mm-hmm. Later on in the show, or maybe tomorrow, depending on whether we run out of time or not, I'm going to talk about Moderna and uh, how they have established an an, an anti-vaccine for vaccine disinformation. It's kind of a a play on words, but they're trying to censor the entire web, the entire Internet. And then we also know that there's – I I believe it's Institute for Strategic Dialogue that has partnered with certain federal governments, and they have artificial intelligence that – is literally suppressing information that's available on the web. And so when I think about stage right, um, you know, your, one of your taglines, disagreement does not equal hate. Well, in this world, right. it kind of does. Have you, have you, I don't know, run into any issues with um, showing up online or, um, I don't know, rousing the ire of the powers that be that don't like conservative comedy or dialogue? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, uh, it's amazing that I've been around for eight years as a company. <laughs> but, but the fact is, you know, we, we don't push back in, in, uh, on social media because I'm attacked on social media all the time. We don't push back and start arguing one-on-one with these people. I just ignore it and do what I'm doing. And, you know, I just keep it out there for people to, uh, you know, to patronize. And, and, you know, that's kind of why we survive. I'm not getting into the, I'm not getting into the little battles. I'm winning the bigger war by just being out there and doing what I'm doing. But it happens all the time uh, for us to get, you know, lambasted. Sometimes our company and what we offer, and sometimes, of course, me personally. I get called all kinds of names, which, heck, I'm used to that. Well, it's really interesting. You're, you're, uh, you're a better man than I am. Um, can I even say man in this world? Is that... <laughs> Is that no, you being not. a two you binary? Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Please don't. Uh, I I have a, I have a problem with that, and my wife will admit that too. That 
if somebody comes against me on social media, I, you know, I try to be the guy that's like, well, wait, let me give you some evidence. Let me, let me tell you what I'm talking about here. And then it ends up being like a, you know, an adolescent slap fight. It's just crazy. Right. Um, the environment that we live in. Yeah. Yeah. You sh- I, I don't do that. I used to do that when I started out. I don't do it anymore because, you know, these people are bullies. And you know what bullies do. They twist and turn everything you say. So even if you make a logical argument that people cannot refute, they'll find a way to twist it around and make you look like the bad guy. I don't have time for that. Amen. Because you're doing a lot of great work uh, at stage, right? Uh, We've got about uh, two minutes here. What is natural theater? You use that phrase. What does that mean? Yeah, it's really something that, that I've worked on for a, a while. And that is what, what I think we need in, this, in the arts as an alternative to what we get now is uh, art that um, supports our country's founding values. And as you know, they are founded on natural rights and human nature And so we produce plays where victimization is not the cause of conflict. We produce plays where um, there is hope in redemption rather than meaninglessness and, and, and just total dismay. So we are trying to show that the American philosophy, the founding philosophy, is, can guide us not only for political documents, but also as a way to live our lives in this country. So I'm showing plays that demonstrate that, uh, that mindset. That's refreshing. So there's, yeah, well, you know, even if there's something sad, a death, etc., it has meaning. There's a, a redemptive quality to it in these plays, not just, oh, well, we're all going to die and life stinks, so, you know, get on with it. You know, that's the kind of stuff that makes audiences want to go out and slit their wrists. Yes. And we don't want to do that. Well, in the postmodern world that we live in, it's refreshing to know that there are natural laws that can still be celebrated, things like redemption and hope and right and wrong and good and evil. Um, Okay, 30 seconds here. Where can they find out more? Remind us, Robert. StageRT.org. That's my website. Or call me at 614-233-1901. Robert Cooperman, thanks for joining us today. I know we'll have you back soon. And uh, I hope you fill the house February 2nd through the 4th. Thanks so much, Jack. Appreciate it. Absolutely. We appreciate you. And I appreciate you for listening to 98.9 FM, The Answer, The Bruce Woolley Show. Uh, We've got more on the other side of the break. So stay tuned.